0: appreciate very much bryson leading those songs and appreciate you being here this morning and uh angela i just want you to take jesse home and let him know that i understand and feel what he's going through just the word gave me ptsd so i uh i i, I feel for him and uh, uh want him to know that i'm i'm thinking about him we have been for several weeks in the book of hebrews And, uh, we are only on chapter six. So as you can tell, this may take us through, you know, the new millennium. I don't know, you know, how long this is going to be. But, uh, we've been looking at it because it is a letter of encouragement. Now there are warnings in there and we've looked at some of those warnings, but overall it is a letter of encouragement meant to encourage those believers, many of whom were on the verge of giving up for whatever reasons. And that is a message that that rings true for us today. We need encouragement. God wants to encourage us. He wants to give us words of encouragement. And as we've looked at from our theme verse, he wants us to encourage one another. Every day, as long as it is called today. Uh, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And we have come to share in Christ that we hold firmly to the end the confidence that we had at first. And so our challenge, my challenge to you, my challenge to me is, is to look back on this week and think, how have you encouraged your brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you taken the opportunities? And we live in a, in a time in which it is so much easier to encourage others. With cell phones and computers and text messages and all those kinds of things that, you know, some of you people do. There's a lot easier to encourage nowadays. There's nothing wrong with the old telephone either. Although, can't reach some of you because you don't have landlines. Uh, There's nothing wrong with snail mail either. Of course, some of you don't ever check your mail. But anyway, you know, the old ways aren't bad either. But whatever form it takes, God tells us to encourage one another. And that is what we've been looking at. And I wrote in the front page of the bulletin this week, I wrote about two verses that have come to mean a lot to me uh, since we started this, this, uh, these lessons. You know, there's those verses in Hebrews that we all know. And the first time I went through Hebrews way back in 2007, you know, I looked at concentrated on those verses that we all know and we love at the book of Hebrews. But over the past few weeks, there's two verses that have come to mean a lot to me. And one of them is that verse that says, and Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Wow. That is awesome. That Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And then the other one comes out of last week's lessons where it says, the writer says, after talking about, you know, what could happen to some of them if they turned away, he says, but we are confident of better things in you. And by we, I think he's including God. God is confident of better things in us. Yeah, there's those who are going to go away. There's those who are going to leave God. There's those who are going to turn their back on their faith. But we are confident of better things in you. We have seen right here, we know of people who have given up, we know of people who have turned their back on their faith. We know of people who have given up on their Christianity, but I'm here to tell you this morning, I am confident of better things than you. God is confident of better things than you. He is confident that we will remain faithful to the end, that we will not get distracted, that we will not uh, become adrift or we will not drift away from God. And so today, we're going to talk about hope. Isn't that a wonderful word? In 1 Corinthians 13, you remember there at the very end, we love that verse. And I'm going to quote it King James style. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And you know, we spend a lot of time talking about love. Rightly so. And we spend a lot of time talking about faith. And rightly so. But we don't spend nearly enough time talking about hope. You know, it's right up there. It's one of the big three. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but faith and hope are important. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us, believe it or not, that we are saved By hope. Whoa. Wait a minute. And we know we're saved by faith. We know we're saved by grace. But saved by hope. Absolutely. We are. Hopelessness. Is terrifying. Isn't it? Dante in his divine comedy. Talking about. His interpretation of hell envisioned a sign over the gates to hell that said, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Woo! That ought to give you just a, some goosebumps. Abandon hope. I can't imagine anything worse than being in an absolutely hopeless situation. But God tells us and God reminds us that we are not without hope. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews talks about our hope as a way that we ought to be encouraged. Beginning in chapter 6, in verse 13, he writes, "...when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants." And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by something greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said, and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make unchanging the, the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is possible for God to lie, We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went on before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I love where it says that we have fled to take hold of that hope. I was reading this week, somebody mentioned to me, you know, about the fact that there were on the border between Venezuela and Brazil, thousands upon thousands of refugees from, from Venezuela trying to get to Brazil. Because they were starving and because of what was going on in Venezuela. We've seen this all over the world in different situations. But when I was talking to Mark about this, one of the things he mentioned is that it's it's mind-blowing. Because the part of Brazil to which they are fleeing is the poorest part of Brazil. And yet they are fleeing there because they see more hope than what they have in Venezuela. We think about the early 1900s, late 1800s, and all the immigrants who fled Europe to come to this country because they saw hope. We have immigrants coming here all the time, and no matter what your philosophy is about the politics of all of that, we see the idea of coming here because they see hope in comparison to what they have where they're coming from. God tells us that we have hope and that hope is an anchor for our soul. Steadfast and sure, firm and secure. What's the purpose of an anchor? The purpose of an anchor is to keep you from drifting. To keep you in that spot of safety or security. And that is what our hope is now we sing a song entitled we have an anchor and you can turn to you can take a song book and turn to 467 if you want to but i'm gonna take a minute and just read these words you know every now and then there are certain yeah go ahead and put that up there but don't flip along with me because that'll take too much time but anyway okay go ahead and flip along with me but then you're gonna have to flip back But there are certain songs that, I mean, seem to be taken literally right from the scripture. And give then voice and meaning to it. And I believe this is one of those songs. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the storm tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Now see, you got to go through the chorus because I'm going back to the second verse. It is safely moored the storm withstand for it is well secured by the Savior's hand and the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy the blast through the strength divine. When our eyes behold through the gathering night the city of gold, our harbor bright, we shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock that cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Aren't those beautiful words? Jamie, go all the way back to the beginning. Here he goes. He's getting there. Because you know what I want to do, right? We can't just read the words. I mean, that would be pointless, okay? So now that we've read the words, I want us to sing this and think about the words as we sing it and think about the hope that we have and as we sing it to one another, encourage each other by the hope that we have. Amen. We have... A hope and that hope is an encouragement to us this morning so i wanted to quickly take a look at our, the hope that we have first of all i want to think about what is hope what is it you know it has a different meaning today than it did in biblical times go ahead jamie it's a little the definition is different than we use it today you know the way we use hope in our english language a lot of times there really is no no actual expectation I hope to, you know, win the publisher's clearing house, I hope to do something like this, but there's not really any expectation about it. You know, I remember when I was, when I was, uh, those of you who are above college age, just plug your ears and don't listen to this. But when I was at A&M, I took an economics class and we went in the first day of the economics class and the guy said, you don't ever have to come back if you don't want to. That's not the way you ought to start a class. He said, here's the way it is. We're going to have so many tests along the way and so much or whatever. But your final exam, your final exam is has to count at least 50% of your final grade. But it can count as much as 100% of your final grade. You're going to decide on that day. You're going to come in to take your final exam. And you're going to tell me what percent of your grade you want this exam to count for. This is what I said, quit listening. I never went back to class the entire semester. I thought to myself, I can sit here, I can read the book, and I'm a good test taker, by the way. Some people don't take tests very well, but I take tests pretty good. And so I'm thinking to myself, I can go in there, having read the book or whatever, and just out of logic and, you you know, I'll be able to make a B on the final make a B for the class. That's all I was really hoping for. And so I didn't go back to class. And so here it was. It was the day of the final exam. You know what I had to do? <laughs> I'd actually get out my original class schedule because I, I didn't even know where the class met. <laughs> yeah. I had to find out what building or what classroom it was in to go to the... Y'all, y'all quit listening, right? Okay. Uh, so I go in and here I am hoping that I'm going to make an A. Now, was there desire there? Was there expectation there? There was until I got to about the third question on the test. And I realized this is not going to go well. I'm not sure what any of this is. I'm not even sure of these terms. This stuff wasn't in the book. Well, of course it wasn't in the book. That's why you're supposed to go to class. It was in the lectures, and so I got through, and I told him, "You know, this needs to count hundred percent. It had to count hundred percent. I didn't have any other grades. Well, this a count hundred percent of my final of, of my my for my final." And I left there hoping I was going to pass. You see, I went in hoping to make an A. I left hoping I would pass. The desire was there, but the expectation was not. And guess what? It depends on your definition of pass. I made a D. I don't know if that's, you know, depending on your expectation. Yeah, well, yeah, not good. Desire, biblically, faith is that desire coupled with Expectation, reasonable expectation. In, uh, Vine's expository dictionary on biblical terms, it says favorable and confident expectation. Desire includes working towards a goal and achieving that expectation. You see, I hope to go to Italy. There's a desire on my part. But I don't know how much expectation there is. You know? I hope to go to the Grand Canyon. There's a desire on my part. And you know what? There's some expectation. Next week, Lord willing, Kenny and I and my in-laws, we're going to head out to the Grand Canyon. Plans have been made, reservations have been made, things have been. There's desire and expectation. You see the difference between hoping I'm going to the Grand Canyon and hoping I go to Italy? There's a difference there. When we say things like, or somebody asks us, were you going to go to heaven? Are you saved? Hope so. Whoa, wait a minute. No. Not the way we use the word hope in America in English. I hope so. I'm longing for it. I expect to. And that sounds a little bold, doesn't it? A part of it kind of recoils from that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But over and over and over again, the Bible says we ought to have hope. Desire plus expectation. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. The Christian's hope is that of eternal life, of heaven, of living it with God. Isn't it wonderful that as Christians we can desire and expect a home with God if we follow him? Jesus said, remember in John chapter 14, these are some of our favorite verses. I know it's some of y'all, that I know it's mine. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you so that where I am, you may be also hope, hope that Jesus is coming. To take us where he is. This hope ought to do some things for us. So our second point is: well, what does hope do for us? Hope pulls us through the rough times. The beginning of that the beginning of that song: "Will your anchor hold in the storms of life?" I just happened to be flipping through channels yesterday. I, well, it wasn't quite by accident. I was I was interested in seeing about the hurricane that had been threatening the Hawaiian Islands. And so I went to the weather channel. And it turned out that apparently it's it's been downgraded and it's going to miss it, miss the islands but and so they didn't even have anything about that on there but what they did have was a it was it was a uh, documentary on the 1900 Galveston hurricane one of the largest ever to hit the United States, the costliest as far as lives is concerned. And it was amazing what happened there. That there was very little warning at all that this hurricane was coming. And how that as the hurricane and the tide came in and the waves came in, it just ripped the entire town apart. Imagine all these old wooden houses just being destroyed like toothpicks. They said, you know, we're used to seeing uh, devastation like that from from tornadoes, you know, where a house is just ripped apart. They said, now imagine the whole town being like this, the whole the whole city. And part of the problem was, is these were old houses. that were all because of the tithes and everything were all built on pier and be. They were all built on on concrete moorings and that when the water would come up. It would just lift the houses off of the foundation and then sweep them away until they were churned up and devastated, ruined, demolished. That's the word I was looking for. And they were talking about, I thought this was very, this is free, won't cost you anything. Uh, They were talking about this one family who recognized what was happening. And so the husband takes an ax and starts cutting away at the floor, the wooden floor of his house. And he cut holes in the wooden floor of his house so that as the water began to rise, it did not lift the house and take it away. It began to fill the house with water which then actually made weight on it, which kept the house on its foundation. Now they had to scramble up above the water line to, to, to be saved, but, but it worked. But our anchor supports us in those difficult times that we have. Many storms may come our way, but it is our hope and trust in God that pulls us through. Notice what he said about with patience, Abraham. Oh, God made these promises to Abraham, but Abraham had to wait. The hope was there, but Abraham had to wait. God makes promises to us. And the first part of these scriptures is all about how that God cannot lie. And God's promises are good. He will keep them. And we can rely on that in the difficult times of our lives. We may suffer job loss, death of a loved one, illness, children who've gone astray, loneliness, temptation. All these are the storms of life that threaten each one of us. Our hope may not alleviate the storms but will give us the peace to weather them. It should make us alive and joyful people. Let me ask you this. How would you react if I promised you it's absolute. You have a 50-50 chance of winning a million dollars. If I told you, you know, come up here right now. I've got a, I've got a coin. We're going to flip it, heads or tails, you're going to call it. If you call it right, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I'm not, don't nobody come up here. But how would you feel about that? Do you feel a little excited? And you're standing up here, would your heart be going a little pitter patter? Would you start thinking about, wow, what would I do with a million dollars? I'd pay off my credit cards and have 10 bucks left. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, you, you would feel really hopeful. 50-50 chance, right? You would be getting all excited. You would be already spending it. It would, it would be, you, you just, ooh, 50-50 shot. What about the fact that you have a 100% chance of going to heaven? A hundred percent chance of going to heaven. That ought to give us hope. That ought to make us joyful people. That ought to make us the the, the happiest. And I don't mean happy superficially, but inside. That ought to fill us with joy. It ought to make our worship and celebration of that hope. A a celebration of, of, of the hope that we share. We ought to come in here and as we sing and as we worship and as we pray and we partake in the Lord's Supper, we ought to do it with the feeling of hope and expectation. Yeah, boy, some really rotten, rotten things are going on in my life right now, but I'm going to heaven. We're going to heaven together. And so we encourage each other through those difficult times. It ought to make us thankful to God. It ought to make us more evangelistic. Remember in Hebrews, excuse me, we're in Hebrews. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, You people, we people, were once without hope. We were once without hope. And now we have hope. Praise God. Thirdly, what is our hope based on? You know, an anchor is only as good... As what it's anchored to, right? You know, if you're out on the ship and let's say it's, 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 you know, 100 feet to the bottom and your anchor only goes 75 feet. What good is your anchor? Not very good. It's not going to help you at all. I remember in the movie, uh, The Longest Day, you all know I love that movie. It's about the D-Day invasion and, and, and all of that. And it's about the, uh, the Rangers that were, that were going up and having to climb the mountain on, uh, Hawk to Point, uh, Point to Hawk, anyway. And, and and it's just straight up. And, and they had these little cannon things that were, that were shoot, they were shooting up the side of the cliff that had grappling hooks on them. And the idea was they shoot these up and the grappling hooks go over the edge and hang on something and then the guys are going to climb up. Well, one of the rangers was a big dude. He, you know, he must have, you know, 250, 275 or whatever. And he shoots a little grappling hook up there. Well, it's hanging on by this little bitty rock. He doesn't realize it because he can't see it. And I remember he spits on his hands and he kind of jerks on the rope a little bit and it looks like it's going to make it. And so he starts climbing up and he gets about two up and whoop, that grappling hook just comes down and he falls back. You know, because it wasn't anchored to anything, nothing substantial. What is our hope anchored to? You know what it's not anchored to? It's not anchored to our own goodness. It's not anchored to our, ourselves. It's anchored in Jesus Christ. It's anchored in God's faithfulness. It's anchored in God's promises. Not ourselves, not our good works, not treasures of this world. We don't build our hope on those things. That's what the, the foolish man built his house on. Our hope is built on more than this life. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 19, another verse that I love. If for only in this life we have hope, we are the most miserable of people. If our hope is strictly in what we're going to get out of this life, whether it be physical things or, or, or whether it be even, even peace of mind or a stress. If our hope is based only in this life, you're pathetic. That's what Paul says. We're pathetic. But our hope is based in the resurrection of Jesus and is based in something eternal. Something that can never be taken away from us. Our basis hope, our hope is also based on the faithfulness of God. We're guaranteed this by the giving of his son. We don't have to worry that at the last minute God is going to pull the rug out from under us. He's not going to trick us. It's not some kind of fake thing. And we can be guaranteed of that because he sent his one and only Son. Not only is God not going to do that To us, he's not going to do that to Jesus. Our hope is based in him. Our hope is sure and steadfast. Our other hope song that we love. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Isn't that great? That our hope is based on his righteousness And not our righteousness. Now yeah God calls us to be holy. God calls us to be righteous. But in the end. It's not how righteous I am. That my hope is based on. It's the fact that because of my faith in Jesus. His righteousness. Has been imputed to me. His righteousness. Is what my faith. And what my hope is based on. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. God has promised this hope to those who are in Christ. Those who have made a covenant with Him through faith and obedience. Perhaps something in your life has shaken your faith or shaken your hope. Maybe your anchor is not secure as it ought to be. Maybe it's not anchored to whom it ought to be anchored. If there's some way we can help or encourage you this morning, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing.
1: We hope, by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D F I E L D. C O C dot O R G or you can email at D-Field C O C seven seven nine at AOL dot com or you can call us at nine zero three six four five two eight nine six. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at eight one eight. West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Her meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.